Welcome to the Crossing Church Podcast. This week, our lead pastor, Greg Dumas, concludes our Better Together series with a message titled, Belong, Believe, Become. We hope you enjoy this weekend's message. Amen. Amen. Isn't God good? Isn't God good, church? The Lord is good. Two of you are excited about that this morning. Love you. Can we welcome our campuses? Give them a big hand. God bless you. South Shore Plant City. What's up? Amen. Isn't it good to be together? It's good to be together. God's good. Father, we love you. Thank you that you have given us this opportunity to, to be together um, online, in, in, at home, in our families, uh, at our campuses, South Shore Plant City right here at Tampa. And we pray that when we leave today, we will have seen you, we've heard you, we've been changed by you. In Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said, amen. amen and amen and amen. We're wrapping up a series called Better Together. We just believe that life is better with other people. How many of you believe that today? How many of you believe that? Yeah, God is really good. It really matters. You know what I mean? Facebook has caught on with uh, Facebook groups and so on and so forth. And, and uh, we think we can do it better though, all right? We think we can do it better. Jesus has a better answer than Facebook does. It's not bad to have a group, but it's great to have a group that's oriented towards Jesus, oriented towards the Lord. So I was at the chiropractor the other day, and uh, I, I call myself a frequent flyer there. Uh, I, I've got some old injuries, and so I'm in the chiropractor. How many, how many of you go to the chiropractor? What's up? Yeah. All right. So I'm there, you know, two, three times a week, and uh, I was sitting down next to a lady, and she said, she said hi, and I said hello, and um, you know, uh, if you're a pastor, you gotta, you gotta recognize the look. And, and the look is just sort of a, you know what I mean? I won't try to do it for you. The look, you just gotta discern the look, and then you smile and you say, hi. And so then they go, you're weird, and they walk away. Um, or, or they say, uh, hi, you know, I, I know you, and so on and so, so forth. So she said, she said, I'm new to the crossing. I said, that is fantastic. She said, uh, me and my husband said, uh, we joined a life group. I said, that is fantastic. Er, I said, that is great. That is really, really cool. And then she said, would you pray for us? I'm in healthcare and I got an email the other day and there are some challenges coming from uh, current administration. And, uh, and, and, um, and so I may be without a job in a short time. And then she said, but the same day we got the email, we made sure to write our tithe check. And she said, I know God's got us pastor. Pray for us. I, uh, and I thought to myself, man, that's, that's faithfulness. I mean, that is, that is just being faithful, just being faithful, being faithful, being faithful. And uh, so it was a pleasure to meet you. <laughs> um, our goal here at The Crossing is that every person, every single person, those of you who are watching in your living room, those of you who are uh, somewhere around the world, those of you at one of our campuses, every person would belong and believe and become. We just, we'd all belong together and we would believe and then we would become who Christ called us to be. We have this saying at the crossing, together we are crossing. Some of you are echoing it with me. Say it with me. Together we are crossing. Our name, we, we got our name from sort of the imagery of crossing the Jordan River and taking people from where they are into the promise of God. Now, it's just really uh, what we want to do, who we believe God has called us to be. And uh, we even have bumper stickers that say, I love my church. Okay, if, if you're a very, very, very good driver, 
get a bumper sticker at any of our campuses. If you're not, take it off your car. Because that's a reverse blessing. You know, we want people to know about Jesus. Not bless you in Jesus' name. So, uh, you, got, you know, grab them, grab them. If you're a good driver, I'm serious, serious. Seriously, seriously. There's, there are three things we want. Belong first. Just want everybody to belong. We really, really be- believe that this is the place for you to connect and find joy and peace and a new life in Jesus. Ecclesiastes 4, 7 through 12. And um, Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes and Solomon tried all these things. He was the wealthiest man who has ever lived on planet earth. He's more wealthy than any person you could name currently. At one time, Solomon had 75, if you can imagine this, 75% of the entire world's wealth was contained by one man, Solomon. 75% of all of the world's economic power was in the hands of Israel under Solomon. Incredible man. And so he tried everything in the book of Ecclesiastes and he says, you know, it's meaningless, it's meaningless, all a chasing after the wind. And then he sums up Ecclesiastes in chapter 12, verse 13. He says, fear God and obey his commandments. Fear God. That's a pretty good summary, isn't it? Pretty good summary. And so this is an excerpt out of that text, Ecclesiastes 4, 7 through 12. I observed yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. This is the case of a man who is all alone without a child or a brother, yet who works hard to gain all of his, as much wealth as he can. And the text isn't saying that he doesn't have a child or a brother um, uh, genetically. It's saying he doesn't have somebody he calls son, and he doesn't have somebody he calls brother. And so... Uh, we find ourselves in this circumstance quite often, we're chasing the dream, but forget the people along the way. Well, we're chasing something, and we forget about the someones. And God has called us to remember it's the someones that last into eternity. It's not the some things, it's the someones. It's always, it's, it's always someone. It's always those you love. And when we get to eternity, God just, you know, uh, we, we've been with people when they're moving from this life to the next life, and I've never heard somebody say, bring me my checkbook. Bring, bring me my, uh, my work bank account. They've never said that. Bring me my schedule. They've never said that. They say, bring me my sons and daughters. Bring me, bring me my wife. Bring me my friend. It's always about the context of belonging and being together. One another matters so much. This is a case of the man who was all alone. He's working very hard. But then he asks himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much of my pleasure now? And it's also meaningless and depressing. It can be from time to time if you uh, focus that, pl- that place. Nine, two people are better than one. Can I get an amen? amen? For they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. And um, that, that, that's really, keep that as a note, and I'll, I'll punctuate that at the end of the message. Uh, 11, likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? This is a dialogue my wife and I have every night when we go to bed. <laughs> somebody's a hot body, somebody's a little cool, you know, and it's, you have temperature wars in your house? We do. <laughs> Thermostat wars, it's got to go up or down or 
12. <laughs> Some of you just got it. Just 12. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. And so the word is saying you need some people next to you and it's good if you have one or two that can bond, you know, the picture that we use for this whole series, better together, it's that braided cord and it's tough. Once you braid that cord really well, it's tough to break that cord and it's not just about the number, it's also about the quality of relationships. I was, I was thinking about this and I, and I thought, you know, um, would it be better to have one really good piece of pie or multiple pieces of pie that are not so good? And, I, and I, I had to actually, see this is how messed up your pastor is, I had to think about that for a second. <laughs> and um, how many of you like a good piece of pie? Man, it's the baked goods that get me. See, I start confessing from the platform. I try to stay away from carbs and sugar, and I find myself speaking about them when I'm teaching. I think one good piece of pie. I think, everybody with me? I think one good piece of pie. I think some of you are like, that's right. Don't eat them, pastor. Don't eat them. A few friends with great relationship matters the most. You could have a crowd of people around you, but really it's about belonging it's about really belonging, really knowing one another, really investing in one another, really honoring one another, really finding out about one another's families, really being there for one another. And um, uh, there's a lady named Brene Brown. She's a social psychologist. I'll, I'll get it out. At the University of Houston, she is frequent on TED Talks, popular author. She's written a, a bunch, and she says this. She has studied topics like courage and shame and vulnerability and belonging. <laughs> specifically belonging, and she says this, we desperately want to belong to something bigger than ourselves, and we want to do this so badly that we'll do whatever it takes to achieve it by trying to fit in, by trying to fit in. But fitting in, Brown says, is just a hollow substitution for belonging, and it actually erodes true belonging. Here's the way she puts it. If I get to be me, come on, somebody say, be me. me. If, you, if I get to be me, I belong. If I have to be like you, I'm trying to fit in. Belonging, she says, is being somewhere where you want to be and they're glad that you're there with them. Fitting in is being somewhere that you want to be, but they don't care whether you're there or not. Ooh, let that settle for just a second. Fitting in is being somewhere you want to be, but they don't care whether you're there or not. Fitting in is being accepted for being like someone else or like the crowd, belonging is being accepted for who you are. Being accepted for who you are. I want you to know that at the Crossing Church, we have no pretense. We want you to be who you are. In every bit of your diversity, God's not called us, you hear me say this all the time, God's not called us to be the same. Thank God he has not called us to be the same. He's called us to be one. That means we have diversity that ends up in beauty because we're all being conformed, not to one another. I don't want to, just come on, say this with me. I don't want to talk like you. I don't want to walk like you. I love it. The Latin folks are like, I want to talk like you. 
I don't want to walk like you. I don't want to talk like you. I'm not trying to be like you. We, say it with me, we are trying to be like him. Okay, so, so listen, we're not trying. The worst thing in the world is, come to a ch- is to come to a church and find a click. Boy, I could preach. I got a little fire going on. I get to, and the Lord said, and I was don't click up. Don't do that. It, it is, this is the last place in the world that we need to feel like seventh grade again. This is, seventh grade was torture for every human being. You know, I mean, unless you were the cool kid that got kicked for kickball, you know, you were the, you were the first pick every time. If you were the one not picked, you're going, I don't like recess. We're not trying to be the same. We're trying to be one. Believe. We, we want to belong and we want to believe. We really do want to believe together. And the basic foundation at the crossing is to believe in Jesus as Savior. And, and uh, I'll tell you, um, we don't get into the kingdom of God by osmosis. And osmosis is a high gradient to a low gradient. Do you remember that, Amy, science buffs? where you've got you know, a high gradient solvent. It goes through this semi-permeable membrane. It moves into the other, and it kind of equalizes, equilibrium. Remember the terms? You guys with me? Okay. You can't get in to the gospel. You can't get into the kingdom that way. That means if your grandmother believed Jesus, you can't be near your grandmother and get into heaven because she believes. The Bible says to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. To confess with your, if you've never done that before, and there are lots of church, different church backgrounds and so on. If you've never confessed Christ with your mouth, I confess Jesus is Lord. Believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. You shall be saved. It's a simple, it's a simple thing to do, but it is the thing to do that scripture says it's the place where we cross over. It's the place where we believe for our selves. It's that confession of faith, confession of faith. And so we want salvation for everyone, and then we want you to know that you have been delivered, delivered. And Jeremiah 29, 11 is a beautiful verse in the Bible that speaks of Israel having been in captivity. They're in captivity, 70 years in captivity. And I just feel like somebody today needs to hear this. Maybe you've made some mistakes in your past. Maybe you're going through some things right now, currently. You're going through them, and there's been penalty. There, you know that God forgives everything we do, but there's casualties for everything we do. There's, if, we, if we do wrong things, wrong things. If we sow, let me say it a, a better way. If we sow bad seed, we get a bad harvest. God says, I forgive you, but you have a mile to walk in bad wheat. If, we sow, if you sow bad seed, the bad seed, the law is the bad seed will come up and then we have to walk through the bad seed. We're forgiven. God blesses us. You know, the Israelites, they, they disobeyed God. They just wouldn't obey, wouldn't obey, wouldn't obey. So they were conquered. God bless our nation. I hope we don't come to that. I hope we don't come to that. I hope we repent. I hope we, I hope we get our wits about us and we enthrone God 
as king again, and, and we say, you are Lord, and we, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Babylon grows up as a world power. They dominate Israel. They take them over. The kingdom had split, so it was Judah, the smaller portion of the nation. Israel perished long before that. And they were in captivity in Babylon, and God says this to them, and I think this is a word for somebody today. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. I know that you're uh, in difficulty right now. You're in captivity. You're in Babylon. But I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. He, God is, isn't saying what you've sown, you're going to live in for the rest of your life. He's saying you have a mile to walk, but outside of this is good wheat. Sow the good wheat. Sow the good stuff. I've not left you. I've never forsaken you. I have a plan for you to prosper you and not to harm you. I have a plan for you to give you a hope. Man, can that settle on somebody today? Come on, just to give you a hope and a future. And God gives you a destination. Uh, we, we want you to believe in salvation. We want you to believe in deliverance. And we want you to believe in the destination of God. And um, just as an illustrative piece, we have a canoe here. And um, let's just say that behind me um, is the Jordan River. And what we want to experience together is the crossing, somebody. We, we want to experience the crossing. Wherever you are right now, God want, doesn't, he loves you so much, he doesn't want to leave you where you are. He wants to take you to where he said you should be. And we believe that is not just the symbolism of God speaking to Moses and saying to him, I'm going to bless you. From Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I'm going to give you a land for your descendants. God has said that to every son or daughter of Abraham, and we are one of those sons and daughters. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. All right, that's enough. <laughs> I am one of them, and so are you. So, sorry. <laughs> I embarrass myself every time I speak. So we are heirs to the promise and God is saying to you and he's saying to me, you've been settling on the wrong side of the Sinai. You, you, the Sinai isn't just a place. God says, I love you. I'm for your marriage. I'm for your finances. I'm for your health. But where you're walking isn't the blessing just that your sandals don't wear out. I want you to go into the promise of the promised land. I want you to see me. I want you to know me. I want you to see me deliver and dispossess giants before you. Come on, church. I, I, the, the giants that have held you and your family and this nation for generations. You were born. You were bred. You were selected to dispossess them. You have, been, you have been counted by God to do the work of God. You, God selected you before the foundation of the world. He knew you in your mother's womb. And our job at the crossing is to have a vehicle for you, is to pull up on the shore and, you know, I could sit down in this, I could take the oar out and, you know, I could point the boat this direction and I'd say something simple like this, are you willing to go? And if you're willing to go, we're willing to row. We will row, church, our, 
what the crossing is here to do, our staff and all of the volunteers and the servants are to take any person who is willing to cross over into the, into the promise of God and row until our arms fall off. To take you to the place where God called you to be. And once we get there, we experience blessing and favor, the authority of God, the wisdom of God, the strength of God. We don't walk the same. We don't talk the same. We don't look the same. We don't feel the same. Because you're not living in just a portion of the blessing uh, on the other side of the Sinai. Now you're walking in the promise of God. But there's something that God has when we get to the promised land that matters as much as the promised land, and it's a desire. And the desire grows up inside of you. And how many of you have seen, uh, and if this is you, if this is your vehicle, you know, I love you. I, I don't see many of these around the crossing, but you know, on, you have a really nice car. I love you. How many of you have a nice car? Come on. Everybody's got a nice car in the name of Jesus. Come on, come on, come on. It's okay. It's okay to, it's okay to be blessed as long as you bless others. Okay. There is, I, I see these cars. They're really, really nice cars around. And uh, you know, the license plate says, you know, I asked. So I'm like, okay, you know, or blessed or really blessed. I want to ask you a question. If you don't have any of those material things, are you still blessed? Dang right. Because material things don't define your blessing. Blessings are a substrate of the presence of God. Material things are the byproduct, listen, material things are the byproduct of being in relationship with the living God. They're, e they're the easiest thing for him to do, but when we make them the greatest thing that he can do, then the thing becomes him. Okay, enough of the soapbox. I love you. If you have a fancy car, I want to ride in it. Okay, ne there's, let me say this clearly, make sure that we're not uncomfortable. Say this with me, God's okay with things. As, not, as nice as you want them to be as long as things don't have you. God's okay with you having things as long as things don't have you. Okay, no problemo. What happens to us as we get into the promised land and we say, man, I made it. And God says, yeah, you made it but what about them? I have saved you. I've delivered you. I've brought you to a destination. Now I want to give you a desire. And the desire is you get back in the same boat you crossed over in as a passenger and you now become a guide. And I want you to leave the promise of the promised land and I want you to get back in the boat and I want you to look at the river that you said you'd never go back to and I want you to cross over and go get all of them who used to be, who are where you used to be. And I want you to say to them, I want you to point the boat now as a, as a lay staff person, as someone who loves Jesus at the Crossing Church, I want you to sit in the driver's seat. I want you to pull the boat up on shore and I want you to say to them, come with me, it's worth it. Come on, I'm telling you, God has more than just your sandals not wearing out on this side of the Sinai. Come with me. Amen? Amen.
And then God wants us to become. And um, part of the illustration is becoming who he called us to be. This is um, the message of, of Moses and his birth, Exodus 2, 1 through 10. Now, a man of the house of Levi married a Levite woman. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son. Uh, when she saw that he was a fine child, uh, a translation says that he was beautiful. How many of you were told when you were born that you were beautiful? Come on, our, I, I mean, all babies are beautiful, right? So. so. I love you guys, I love you. <laughs> you guys... All babies are beautiful. <laughs> it just takes a minute. <laughs> All babies are beautiful. I'm trying to make a point, I promise. I'm just, I'm tickled. <clears throat> All babies are beautiful. Uh, she saw, let me, let me try to translate this the right way. She saw that God had done a beautiful thing. And she hid him because Pharaoh was killing all the male children. But when she couldn't hide him any longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. And, and then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. His sister's the star of the story. Way to go, sisters. Five, then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe and her attendants were walking along the riverbank she saw the basket in the reeds and sent her slave girl to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said, verse seven. Then his sister, so his sister watched his mother, put him in the reeds. Pharaoh's daughter came. She went with her attendants. And obviously the sister, Moses' sister, went right along because she's now in the conversation. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? <laughs> Crafty sister, right? Smart. Eight. Yes, go, she answered. And the girl went and got the baby's mother. Hey, that's getting it done. Nine. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me and I will pay you. That's double. This is, that's where the child tax credit came from that we're working on right now. First one. So some of you got that. If you didn't, I love you. Uh, so the women took the baby and nursed him. I'm sorry. Took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter. Watch this. And he became her son. Crazy interaction here. Can you see the providence of God working? Just the, the providence of God. She named him Moses saying, I drew him out of the water. It's very unusual for an Egyptian queen, part of the ruling class of the world, to draw out a Hebrew baby and then give him a Hebrew name. And so here is the point, and his name means drawn from the water. That's what Moses means, drawn from the water, saved from the water. And I, and I, I just want you to think for a moment, some of you have a keen awareness that you have been selected and protected since birth. You've been selected. God, God knew you, he knew, and you have been appointed. And some of you have had special education, you've had, maybe your story is a little bit like James Robison's story, and, 
You know, James Robinson, the early part of his life, he's an international speaker, he's an evangelist, he's also runs a ministry, Life Outreach International, and 300 million people watch him a day. They're in 72 countries around the world, they drill water wells for people that don't have water. You know, two billion people don't have water on the planet? Two billion people don't have clean drinking water. But the early part of his story, he was left for nothing. Um, really tragic story, but he was adopted, um, and his parents raised him, who were a pastor and his wife, and he led kind of a privileged uh, early upbringing. The early part was really bad. The middle part was good, and God has favored him and blessed him. And some of you, your story has twists and turns in it, but you know that you've been selected, and you know that you were protected, and you know you've been appointed. Somehow you ended up in an Ivy League school or you ended up at the top of your class or you ended up with gifts and talents and abilities and God has given you all these things and then there's this period of humbling. And in Moses' story, remember, there's two Hebrews, there's a Hebrew fighting an Egyptian, he kills the Egyptian, he does something wrong, he ends up on the backside of the Sinai Desert for 40 years. Now that's a pretty long, to be, a long time to be humbled, isn't it, church? That's a, that's a generation to be humbled. And I just want to say this to you. If you're that person, and I believe there are many Moseses in our congregation. I really do. I, I, I wouldn't be saying this I didn't, if I didn't believe it. I believe the church is the hope of the world. And I believe that you're only normal in your own eyes. God has called you abnormal. He's placed a spirit inside you and he wants you to be a catalytic change agent on planet earth. He, he really, God believes in you more than you believe in you, Moses. God believes in you. Remember when he uh, saw the burning bush, he, he finally, he was faithful. Here's my encouragement to you. Be faithful with taking care of the sheep. Be faithful with your family. For 40 years, he was on the backside of the Sinai and then one day he sees a bush that was burning that wasn't burnt up. And so his appointment turns into his anointing. And God says to him, now's the time for you to go and speak to Pharaoh and deliver my people. Why? Because I've heard the cry of my people. And I believe God has in times past, maybe right here at the Tampa campus, maybe at South Shore, maybe in Plant City, there's some person who's about this big that God's raising up to deliver a nation. Amen. Or maybe... You're in the sound of my voice right now. The school board needs you. The city needs you. The city council needs you. The church needs you. Your family needs you. People around you are counting on you, Moshesh. Because Moses' name can be interpreted Moshesh, not just the baby who was drawn from the water, but the man after whom God humbled became the man who draws many from the waters. God, God knew what he was doing when an Egyptian queen named him Moses. Because after his humbling, God said, your name is Moses and you will walk my people through the crossing of the Red Sea. And a million people followed that little baby who was saved. A million people. I just, I, uh, I want to end this little section just saying this. Um, we believe in you. If it's a, if it's a Bible study, if it's um, a life group, 
if it's working with students, if it's working with kids, and, and we say this at The Crossing all the time, we don't, we don't our, our ministry to children isn't rocking babies, it's rocking the next prophetic generation. God, God is not playing. If, if you haven't seen this before, you know these people that are about this big turn into this big really quick and they become doctors and lawyers and influencers. It, it happens quick, doesn't it? We, we believe in you. We believe you can do it. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know where you've come from. I don't know what issues you might be uh, dealing with, but I know that God will walk you through. God will deliver you. He will heal you. He'll bring you to the other side and he wants you to be connected to other people. If you can, he's calling you to lead. He wants all of us, church, every single one of us to belong and to believe, to believe, to really believe and to become who he created us to be. And I'll, uh, I'll end like this. Some time ago, my son and I were fishing at the Skyway Bridge. We we love to fish, and uh, you know when we get the, the opportunity to do it, and we were underneath the big pylons of the bridge, and there was a professional fisherman fishing like three stalls from us, and his boat was wrapped. It's a beautiful boat with a tower, and uh, he was catching bait, so he had his big net that he was throwing bait. We saw him when we were coming, and we parked, and we started to fish, and uh, we heard a huge commotion, and uh, we heard him cry out. Ah! He, I mean, just a massive cry. And then we heard a big crash. And the people that were behind us, you know, the old Skyway Bridge is behind the regular bridge now. It's, it's on the other side. There's a south end and a north end. And the people that were on that bridge were yelling. Ah, they were yelling. And so we stopped fishing, pulled our anchor. We went around the corner. In his boat, he had cast, apparently he had cast his net and his net got stuck. Instead of just doing, you know, what everybody should do and just cut your net, he was trying to pull on the net. He slipped and he hit his throttle. And when he hit the throttle, his boat went into full throttle and it jerked him off the boat. So his boat was in full throttle. It pulled him out of the boat and the boat crashed into a pylon and was still spinning like this. It was full go. What? The boat was wide open and he was nowhere to be seen. And so we searched around for a little bit. I've never seen anything like this before. And he was hanging on to the the barnacles on the bottom of the pylon crying out for his life, holding on to the bridge, bleeding. And the good news is he was okay. All right. Let me just relieve the pressure right now. He was okay. We got him into the boat. My son, I mean, seeing something like this will do something to you physiologically. My son was trembling. I, he was saying, I, you know, he was scared. And um, here's a picture of his boat. His boat didn't fare so well. This is actually the front of the boat. Uh, if, if you're having trouble focusing on the picture, there's actually supposed to be fiberglass here. The, the whole boat blew open. The boat went around about eight times and it sank. They, uh, they pulled, they retrieved the boat out and, and the gentleman is fine. He is still a professional fisherman. It's beautiful now, it's wrapped, it's got a tower back in it and all those things. And I wanna close like this. Even if you're a pro, you can't go it alone. Too dangerous. It's too dangerous. You've been a Christian 40 years. You, you've, been, you've been married. You're a Christian. You, I don't know, a different church, new church, new atmosphere. You can't go it alone. It's too dangerous. Any little slip, and you can endanger yourself in a way that is really costly. 
And God is saying, we, come on, say it with me. We are better together. Come on, we are better together. One person, one person in the boat, he slips, gets the throttle, somebody grabs the throttle, danger averted. And that's how I wanna pray to end. Would you join me at all of our campuses? Would you say with your heart, say, Lord Jesus, today's the day I give my life to you. I believe that you're the Lord, that you were raised from the dead. I give you my life in Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed that message from our lead pastor, Greg Dumas. Don't forget you can subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash crossingchurch. There you can watch all of our messages on demand and our live broadcasts. You can also download the Crossing Church app by searching for Crossing Church Tampa in your app store. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope to worship with you this weekend, and you can find all of our times and locations at wearecrossing.com.